Baker Podcast Maker, the food podcast series where we get to know a little bit more about the foods people enjoy, from recipe favourites to biscuit chat. So, Perry, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Perry from Rennet and Rhymes. We are cheese maturers, affineurs, like we'd like to be known. That's a posher word. Um, I'm a world cheese judge, so I've judged in, uh, God, where was I last? Northern Spain, so Asturias, and then uh, Bergamo, Italy, and Bergen, Norway. I judge at the Artisan Cheese Awards, which is held in Melton Mulberry, and I do the Virtual Cheese Awards. Um, I'm a patron of the Academy of Cheese, British artisan cheese lover. And as of a couple of weeks ago, I suppose, depending when it goes out, I, I won Athena of the Year. I thought I'd bring my trophy to, 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 to show off. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I got a cheese in when it was three months old. And then uh, 11 other competitors had to mature them for um, 12 months using selective pressures. That's what affinage is, brushing, turning, washing cheeses, giving the cheese kind of what it needs. And, yeah, I came up on top. So, um, so yeah, currently Affineur of the Year, the first ever. So that's always, always the winner. That's amazing. I thought so. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That's a, a fabulous introduction to you. And everyone should definitely check out Rennet and Rind on Instagram because the content's fabulous. And if you're a cheese fan like I am, it's just amazing. Yeah, I get a little bit technical on there, actually, like a lot of brushing cheeses and, and you know, washing cheeses and what I do. And yeah, it's a little bit of an unknown art. So it's nice to share that because we kind of want to see more of it in the UK. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Check us out. Run it around. So how about some food questions? That's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> OK, so what did you have for supper last night? So last night... Um, we had uh, uh, our son with us, so um, he's a bit of a fussy eater. So um, we kind of had nothing in the fridge, actually, um, which was a bit strange. We normally, like, it's been so busy here recently that we just, did you know when your fridge kind of gets bare? So uh, I, I just swung into the store on the way home, and he loves meatballs. So I uh, kind of just picked up some bits and bobs for, for that. I actually got, like, hamburger patties um, and moulded them into meatballs because um, I thought I've never done that before, but I thought it's a similar principle and they're like pre-spiced. So it was, uh, um, and he's he's very fussy eater. So yeah, I, I just did like a kind of tomato sauce. So I threw in some, you know, it started off with some rapeseed oil, like a, I think the Italians call it tovito. So it's like a carrot, um, onion, um, some fresh tomatoes, some, you know, various herbs, garlic, stew that kind of down in the other pan and cook off the meatballs, do your spaghetti in the other pan. And it actually turned out pretty good, actually. I, I'm a big fan of really rich sauce. So yeah. it's a really rich tomato sauce. And yeah, Archie doesn't particularly like the big chunks of tomato in there. He's very much a tomato ketchup fan. So he had <laughs> to deal with that. And um, I had quite a busy day. So I wasn't fine on the chopping. Um, so yeah, left was kind of a mound of 
kind of badly chopped onions and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I, I love cooking. So um, it, 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 it's a bit of a rough one, but that was the last thing I, I cooked, which was last night. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, who doesn't love homemade meatballs? So. Yeah, yeah. And I had a strange story, actually. On my way home, there was a dog in the road, right? Oh. And there's this dog, it, it, yeah, it was out. So um, so I, like, panicked, pulled the car over, got out of the car. It was kind of cautious of me. I was trying to lure it into the car. And, uh, yeah, so I, like, cracked open the burger pack. <laughs> and, like, in the middle of, like, the countryside, in the middle of nowhere, had, like, two patties that I was offering up and trying to lure it back to the car. No avail. The dog darted off and I posted it locally. I don't know if the dog's been found. That's taken a very sinister <laughs> end. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that that was my evening last night. Entertaining. I hope the dog's okay. So what was your favourite kind of food while you were growing up? Um, so growing up, I, I touched on this in another podcast I've done. I actually kind of lived in... Um, we were kind of tight for cash growing up. So um, my mum, bless her, she was really creative. Well, what I deem as creative with food. I was quite a fussy eater as well. Um, so she would do, um, I think everyone's got their own version of this, but I, but I felt like it was really special to me, but like a bonfire bangers and mash. So like mash sausages sticking out, things to make it look like a type of fire type thing um and yeah that was like uh like like i just enjoyed having that it was fun and obviously really helped guessing like you know with with my mum and the kind of the line outside of that do you know what i was thinking about this and i really loved sour sweets really yeah 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 i really like and i and do you know what there was something different about them you know the ones that really destroy any taste buds you have rip the roof off your mouth i love those and well actually the other like well, he's into sour things and i had it like this toxic thing so in a uh, like it's in a um, a toxic waste can oh yeah and it's like bright gr- yeah it's like bright green and that was just weak to me i was saying to him when i was growing up those like sour sweets would just like destroy anything for a couple of days but yeah loved sour sweets so yeah my mum the the, the bang of the mash bonfire and yeah and anything with fizz cola bottles like those big non-chewy things I would gravitate towards not so much cheese actually (laughs) yeah yeah I I only really kind of and this sounds terrible I've always loved cheese but never really knew about the nuance of cheese until I was like 18 around that kind of point everything was kind of you know you'd have something main and cheese would go with it um, and you'd have like the terrible Parmesan powder um, <laughs> or, or the shavings that the Italians would fire over to us because we're the only ones silly enough to eat it. Um, but yeah, that, that, that cheese wasn't a really big staple in my life growing up. That's so interesting. And I agree with you. I think um, toxic waste sweets have definitely lessened. They are nowhere near as powerful. I swear there's some sort of law that they've changed them because I remember them being so sour and they're not anymore. 
They're not anymore at all. Say that again. Another memory's just come back. If you go into like one of those ye, ye olde sweet shops, they do like uh, sour bonds. And oh, yeah. those actually, those, I think when I first tried those years ago, because, you know, I'll gravitate towards that stuff still to this day. Um, those are very powerful, actually. So, so uh, you know, there's me saying, oh, the kids can't hack it. But actually, <laughs> I had these things and uh, I couldn't hack it, you know. <laughs> okay, so what is your current favourite kind of food? Kind of food? So um, it always is cheese. <laughs> does that tick a box I suppose the the beauty of what I do is I just get so many nuanced cheeses yeah. you know like cheese is alive it's you know, particularly obviously artisan cheese is different every time um I'm tasting kilos of the stuff every week um I'm not sick of it so this is 10 years later like <laughs> of eating cheese at that ridiculous schedule um and yeah I, i'm not sick of it i always find something really interesting every week um so cheese it, i don't think forevermore it would not be my favorite if there was a close second and you didn't want to make it so much about cheese which i'm always about it would have to be a like steak and beef and charcuterie mm. like it so says like brazola which is like cured beef love that love that stuff um carpaccio like beef just you know real high welfare beef I, i've always always loved that and i think that would be a close second close third would be ice cream <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, uh, I, I, I often say if I wasn't in cheese I'd probably be in ice cream I'm, I, I've got my own ice cream maker at home and I'm always well it's been a while actually so maybe I should do that this weekend but um, I, I'm always, yeah, always coming up with weird concoctions like I did a British gorgonzola um, ice cream with cherry and amaretto swirls that'd be great <laughs> yeah and like well I, I did it for a pop-up that, that i held in cambridge last year um where i really wanted to understand the people that i'm supplying to to what kind of the heat was and what they were doing and yeah i did the cherry and amaretto british gorgonzola ice cream and i was still a little bit questionable of it because it is a little bit cheesy um <laughs> and yeah people loved it so like there you go that 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 so i gave you my top three so I cheated a bit, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a massive cheese fan. So as I've said before, watching anything to do with cheese is just so interesting to me. So I'd be concerned if you didn't bring up cheese in your favourites. So Yeah, there, there may be a, a consistent running theme in this episode of your podcast. And I suppose, you know, that's what it says on the tin, right? You know, so it's yeah. got to get cheese talk. It's your brand. You've got to support it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So what is your current favourite place or restaurant to eat at? <laughs> that is difficult. I, I, I go out and eat a lot. 
like I, I we're obviously an independent business um i love supporting independent businesses in cambridge and we always flip them around so there might be a multiple here but actually one of the ones that i keep on gravitating to is a new place that's just opened relatively close to us called the green rooms and uh, they've got a terrific chef in there uh, called chris um and I just really like the vibe in there. The staff yeah. are just so nice, attentive. The food is so considered and high quality. It doesn't particularly have a theme. I've known Chris, uh, he's on Instagram, Uwe Booth for, for years. Um, and, I, and I've never had an opportunity to try his food because he used to work in the colleges. So a lot of that college food goes to fellows, etc. So um, I had like snippets of his food and always on his Instagram, I love the look of his food. Um, so I really, when he went kind of out in the outer world, out of the colleges, I really was excited to try some of the food that I saw that he cooks for his family, actually. And yeah, he does the same thing at Green Room. So I keep on gravitating back to that area. Another honourable mention is something I had. This I've only been there once. Um, I've been supplying them for quite some time, actually. Um, and it's quite odd because it's a rugby club. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, th th this is like a real hidden gem of Cambridge. And I suggest everyone seek it out. So the head chef there is a chap called Ian. Um, and he's ex-Midsummer House, Mission Star Restaurant in Cambridge. Um, wow. And, yeah, so basically he fell on difficult times, covid needed a place to kind of um, work. He set up this, this pizza company called Pizza & Co. And the pizzas were incredible. Like, we kind of went there and it's a rugby club and he's dishing out one of the best pizzas I've had in my life. And then Shelford caught on to it and got him in the kitchen. And we went up there the other day and he did a giant couscous pea risotto. He did a Caesar salad, right? Mm. Okay, not normally my choice on the menu because you always feel like you've been cheated if you have a Caesar <laughs> salad. But, but this was like a real big, hearty one. Like, you know, a, a burly Caesar salad, I would say. Yeah. So much flavour. The guy is incredible. The experience is weird. Like you drive up and there's like a, you know, a path, uh, you know, that, that, that you drive up, which isn't particularly pretty. You know, the place, you know, it makes no bones about it. It's a very weird service, but you can get close to like that Michelin star quality. And the season salad was a fiver. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Shelf and Rugby Club. Head chef there's Ian. If you're not, you know, going for your Instagram and stuff like that, because, you know, it, all the staff are so lovely there, but you are going to a rugby club, which I yeah. think they're redeveloping and making. That is a very cool experience. It's one of these kind of hidden gems that I think as the word gets out there, what he's cooking, it's going to expand. So then I've done it again, two, two favorite restaurants. Um, I, I can't do more than one. I could go on forever, actually. I eat out a lot, so... That's so good, though, because I like finding um, places all around the country. Like, I think it's so interesting. And mm. I say this almost every episode, but one day I'm going to publish this list of loads of restaurants around the UK that everyone said to me, you should definitely go here. And 
it's yeah. fabulous. I love hearing as many recommendations as possible because especially in the food world, you can see so many people saying, oh, you should go here, you should go here. But if you have a real recommendation from someone who's been there multiple times and they think, oh, this is fab, I love to hear that. So the more the merrier. Yeah, I always like to see, I think the key is, is the owners or whoever is letting the chef's personality shine. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I, most of the places that I go, there's the, you know, the chefs I know or I supply that you can see, you know, if someone not blindfolded you, but if someone just brought a random plate of their food, you'd go, oh, yeah, that's Alex at Vandalile or, you know, that's Tristan at Parker's. You know, it all has their character to it. And I think, yeah, that's why I particularly love independence. Many other reasons, but that's one of them. Definitely. Well, thank you for those. That's all right. Okay, so what food did you used to dislike and now you do like? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was such a fussy eater. You know, I, I was so fussy. Um, and I would literally just have, like, pasta with um, olive oil on top, Um when I was growing up, all I would eat was cereal. Um, so, <laughs> like, when I was really, really young. So, um, yeah. yeah, like, it was kind of everything. I, I didn't, which is quite funny now for, obviously, the industry I'm in. And yeah. the, 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 the taste buds and the way I have to break down the flavours of, of cheeses and things like that when I'm judging or whatever. So it's pretty crazy to think that I, I disliked everything. But the most recent one for me is fresh tomatoes really so i yeah that that's literally changed probably in the last four to five months i love sun-dried tomatoes i love cooked tomatoes i love cooking with tomatoes but a fresh tomato it, i i don't know why the flavor and that earthy kind of vibe that they have mixed with that freshness and the texture quite hard to get into really would kind of turn my stomach and then um, when I was judging in Asturias, Northern Spain, um, they just love tomatoes over there and they just have them fresh on amazing like baguettes for their pintos kind of, uh, yeah. what do they call it? Is it pintos? They're kind of like tapas type thing where you go and get a little kind of piece of bread and it's got the, I love that. There needs to be more of that stuff around. Um, yeah, and they just love like sort of, fresh tomatoes with great olive oil seasoned on bread so i started then and then i noticed the other day that um that i got some really nice anchovies they're called um ortiz i think they're a really big brand i love anchovies hated those when i was younger um and yeah i did a slice of some bread from uh raisin ramson local baker alice phenomenal baker so I've got some Marmite sourdough, um, chopped up some tomatoes, olive oil, um, put that all together with some little bits of anchovies. And I've had that now, so maybe three times in the last, and that's fresh tomatoes. So that definitely was like literally four months ago. Couldn't stand them. I would eat anything, pretty much. Like I've, I've eaten cheese, which is like... 
like brees like one of the most weirdest things i had was a, a brie which is called baron blygod made in suffolk really great cheese and they did a cheese called baron blygod noir which they couldn't um sell and essentially it was a, a 12 month aged baron blygod brie and it looked like fudge um, obviously, that's massively over its sell by date, I'm guessing. Um, and taste, it was surprisingly tasted of fudgy fish, which was really peculiar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, um, that was, that, that was, uh, yeah. So I, I've had things that I really, really shouldn't eat. And uh, yeah, I had that. And um, yeah, yeah. And I had the, the so, so tomatoes are a fair game to me now. I don't think I could still bite into one fresh, I'm afraid. But yeah, no. So you you're not a tomato fan. Not a tomato fan, but literally, as a couple of months ago, I am. That is very interesting. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. that. Usually, that's I have someone say, um, "Oh, like in the last five years," but in the last yeah. four months, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, tomatoes. I've always despised, and I've always gravitated back to. Because I, I feel like I would like them. Yeah. So if, if there's, it's been a trend that I've done over the last 10 years, really. If there's something I don't like, I will pr- periodically try it, try it again. Um, olives, that was the same thing, and now I love them. Um, and yeah, so there is now no food that I don't like. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> it is, yeah. Okay, so what is your current favourite vegetable? Current ve- favourite vegetable? Um, oh God, that is... It, it, it's always potato, right? <laughs> Good answer. If, if anyone tells you anything different, then they are liar. <laughs> I think potatoes, like... Uh, they're obviously not the most healthiest that you could stick in there, really. But, you know, you've got mash, you've got chips, you've got boils. You know, you can do so much with that, with, with a potato. Um, and, yeah, n- not particularly the most healthy response, but there's always a bag of potatoes in the fridge, you know. That's a great answer. Um Whenever someone says potatoes, I think of Poppy Cooks. Have you seen her online before? No, I haven't. She has a whole cookbook about how you can use potatoes. And over lockdown, she did a series of cooking potatoes in a different way every day. Oh, my God. That sounds great. But I I even think hash browns, potatoes. Yeah. 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 Sauté, you know, dauphinois. Like yeah. there is just so but so many applications. Um, uh, oligot, which is one of the best dishes I've ever had, which essentially is um, both for mixed in with mash, cooked in a really specific way, and you eat it, and it's like cheesy mash, but not like grated in. It's stringy, yeah. so Amazing. you like pull it out. It's so good. It's so great. It's um, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. Oligo. If you if you see a place that does that, then get it because it's just it will change your world. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. The dream. The dream indeed. Okay, so in your opinion, what is an overrated food? Let's um like strike at the heart in this one. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> let's not go with something. Um, let's go with something that everyone loves, and that's Barata. Really? Yeah, yeah. The 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 yeah. For people who don't know what Barata is, basically it's mozzarella, and it's got this stuff in there which is a cool. I think stracatella, which is um, basically like cream mascarpone and bits of mozzarella, and essentially you wrap it in a ball, and when you cut it open, it kind of looks like a poached egg. Mm-hmm. And it tastes of slightly watery mozzarella. I've tried yeah. tons of different versions of burrata. They all roughly taste the same. When people cook with it and they put it on top top of stuff, like tossing on pizzas, you know, it's a very wet cheese, kind of spoils the dish. Um, give me a really great artisan buffalo mozzarella any day over over burrata. Now, I've probably destroyed some people's lives because I think it's like it's coming into the summer and it's like bang on trend, isn't it? And you're going to see burrata everywhere and it's going to be people saying, oh, Perry, he, he hates that burrata. Yeah. That... I mean, I think it's delicious, but I completely agree with you. Mozzarella over burrata, 100%. That yeah. is controversial. Yeah. Totally controversial. I think it's like one of those. It's like Instagrammable trends. People yeah. love, people love popping things, don't they? You you think about it. There's a lot of what. Yeah, like people love popping things and yeah, ooze. yeah. Um, so I look at some of my Instagram posts, and whenever I put something up of like a melted cheese or mm-hmm. a cheese I've ripened a lot, and it's kind of like cascading out. It's just the, the the most liked. Yeah. So yeah, I think um yeah. So I I would um send um Brasher away forevermore. It's a trend that I that I'm not on board with, even oh. even though it's everywhere. <laughs> I can't wait to see the poll on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to be aggressively decent. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, when you said about all the things being popped on Instagram, I did make face listeners because um, not many people know this, but I have a really weird thing about eggs. And if they're runny and everyone's like, oh, that lovely runny yolk, that to me is scary. So whenever I see that, I scroll past it. I'm like, "Ah." yeah, (laughs) not a fan. So whenever I see that, it's just not interesting. So Melted cheese, yeah, that, runny cheese, really, great. It, it's normally what everyone loves. Yeah, much yeah. rather runny cheese. Melted cheese, great. Yeah, but no, but no popping. If it's cheese, yes. Eggs, no. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. I see. Where I get quite, I, I get quite angry when I see when I get it. Well, no, I don't get angry. I never really <laughs> do. But I get quite angry when I get a poached egg that I've paid, you know, a bit of money for it in a brunch and it's solid in the middle. That angers me. Ah, well, I'd eat that over a runny one, so. Yeah, fair enough, you know. (laughs) Okay, so what do you think is an underrated food? Underrated food that I think, even though I think it's having a resurgence, I, I briefly mentioned before, I think tinned fish is really? something that people navigate away if, yeah people navigate you can get some really high quality tinned fish now um you know oops, sorry um you can get um like i i love anchovies 
and yeah. I, and it and I think there's just like something visceral about um, about opening up a tin of fish, getting that kind of rush of that fishy smell, you know, hoisting them out. They've got bones in them and stuff like that. And, I, and I'm well aware that I think there's a lot of people that, you know, if they're on the anchovy kind of like train, then they're fully on it. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that would steer away from it in their cooking like it's so savory and so umami that actually if you're cooking any dish and you throw an anchovy in there it can make a world of difference but a lot of people need to get over that kind of that visceral image of anchovies and they can so i think that although amongst the anchovy crew um it's highly rated but outside of that which i think it's that that sector is kind of like growing um i think everyone should try anchovies is that a fair answer if i dodged that no i think that's a fair answer i think that's that makes sense for cooking i'm just a fussy eater so i personally won't be partaking in that but i probably could if it was very much just part of the flavor so i totally see where you're going with that yeah, it's like you know, it's Caesar, Caesar salad, isn't that traditionally with anchovies? Or you know, um, yeah, I think there's so much in in that in in the cooking that adds that flavour. We've got a lot of cheeses here, which is kind of like my cheat sheet to have in um, in my fridge at home because they're so full of flavour. And if you just like add them to a dish, it just takes it to the next level. Um, and that, so there's like just just sidelining going off on a tangent you're gonna to have to rein me in because i do this all the time i will go off on so do tangent. i tangents <laughs> are encouraged on this podcast um so yeah I, I think the secret ingredient in most people's cooking is celery really yeah i see so many like um so i've got celery salt at home and it's always celery in the fridge and if you're ever mm-hmm. cooking something add a bit of celery in there and it would just be better interesting i'm so gonna yeah. try that yeah I, I don't know why someone a chef told me i can't remember it was ages ago um and yeah weirdly i've been using it ever since and you know when people look at me putting it in whatever i'm cooking they're like really but it kind of like dissipates i think it just does something it's kind of like it's obviously quite fresh so it lifts the dish quite a lot but it's also quite peppery i suppose in a way yeah so it acts like a bit of seasoning i suppose kind of makes sense that's really interesting i'm so going to start doing that now yeah tons of tips here Um, and nobody has tried my cooking i suppose who would be listening so (laughs) this could be a sabotage mission um that are okay everyone to throw anchovies and uh you know uh, celery into their dishes absolutely (laughs) okay so who is your current favorite chef oh that's like um that's like picking your favorite children (laughs) so uh um so I will, I will, um, I'll move out of Cambridge actually. So because it's hard to pick between them. So there's two chefs that I really admire. One of them is, um, he's called uh, James Golding. He's a friend of mine, and um, he's the executive chef director of the Pig Hotels. Oh right. Um, if you haven't, if you don't, if you don't, he's on Sunday brunch. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, he's got this fantastic moustache, which I always joke to him about that it's not as good as my beard. Um, but he is one a remarkable chef, does like proper British, you know, um, shooting, you know, game, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And he comes up with some really cool concepts. You know, I think it's a tried trope, really, to be honest, like doing British classics with a modern twist on. But there's something that he does where it just works. And, the, the you know, he's, he's helped build those hotels into what they are today. And um, I think he's a remarkable um, chef and he puts a lot of thought and consideration into what he does. Everything he does is British. Um, and he like really means that. There's been times where I've visited cheesemakers in the area. I didn't know he like he's a friend of mine, didn't know he was um that he was he was there. And he'll just be there touring, making sure that his cheese or the farm is doing well. So he's a real supporter of of, of that. Um yeah, so James Golding, you can check him out on Instagram. He's a really great guy and really fantastic chef. Um, so that he, he, I'll move out of Cambridge um, just to save my own skin. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sounds fantastic. and I'm very grateful that you've recommended him because now I'm so going to give him a little stalk, which sounds creepy, but it's not. <laughs> I'll be fascinated. <laughs> No, no, I'm sure I appreciate a stalk. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was the last cookbook or recipe you enjoyed using? Yeah, so um, this is quite recent, actually. I have, uh, And there's a kind of a stipulation here that I haven't cooked from it yet. <laughs> but it's a book that got me really excited um, about cooking. And surprise, surprise, it is obviously with cheese. And it's made by uh, a book that literally came out a couple of days ago. And it's called A Portrait of British Cheese. And it's okay. made by um, a chat uh, written and photographed by a chap called Angus. Um, and essentially, he travels around loads of British farmers, um, cheesemakers rather, and, or, and farmers. Um, and what they do is they um, he puts recipes to, to their cheese, but he also does a deep dive on what that farm is all about, what the people are like. Um, and he, he's fantastic at photography. Um, so the pictures are always beautiful and of the cheesemakers they're always candid and I think they really he really in his shots captions what I love about cheesemakers they're all bonkers they're all very passionate they have huge amounts of love for their craft they have huge amounts of love for people that pay interest into their craft and I was saying to someone the other day because they asked me what I thought of the book and I was saying it's very interesting because cheese books there's tons of them but they always want to educate you they always want to either educate you on um, cheese maturing or cheese making or they factually want to educate you about the history of cheese yeah where I feel like this book you know Angus literally goes there and he and he sits sits down and talks about and he listens it's yeah. very like he listens, he's paying attention to, you know, the birds, the trees, the foliage that's around. And it's not too aggressive of a read. It's not like you need to know a lot. Yeah, there's a little bit of technical in there, but that kind of builds the foundation. Um, and I just loved it. 
I loved it. I keep on going back to it, flicking through, looking at the photos, and obviously some of the, most of the cheesemakers I know, and it's just a really nice period to kind of see them so happy that he arrived. So yeah, that's um, and the dishes I literally am picking up the cheese tonight to begin start making course by course every recipe. Amazing. Because, uh, if yeah, if the recipes were as good as is as his take on British cheesemakers then we're on to a winner and that's um yeah so that's uh his Instagram is our Isles, a chap called Angus and that's the portrait of British artisan cheese fantastic book well thank you so much for that that sounds amazing I love seeing storytellers um with things like that because I mean listeners will know if they've known anything about me I'm also a food photographer so I love when people tell a story through something they're super interested in. So the idea of this book just sounds amazing. So thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, that's all right. You can really, the photography, like I said, is expert and you can really feel that everything's very similar. It's very Angus. It's very, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Yes, you should pick up a copy. Definitely. Okay, controversial question. What is your favourite ring on the hob? I'm interested to know what other people's answers are, <laughs> but mine's bottom, <laughs> mine is almost certainly bottom left. And why is that? Bottom left has its quirks. On the bottom left, um, it's an electric hob. For some reason, as I put my pan on, so we all have a favourite pan, right? Um, yeah. It heats the bottom left of the pan more than the other side you know so if i'm cooking something off i always know i can do a little partial sear in the bottom bottom left hand corner of my pan and the other stuff can kind of like cook away in the mm -hmm. other side so it's obviously not how a cooker should work but it has its quirks and i've learned to love and live with it so thank god for that bottom left hand ring on the hob eh? well thank you for that i always find that question entertaining because everyone has a favorite hob ring but they don't know why yeah what's yours well it depends where i am but at university uh, okay. which is where i am now it's mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. back left because the it's one of the bigger hob rings and i'm impatient there you go. There you go. They're always the same reason. I wonder. I wonder if they do that on purpose. I bet they do. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there's a, a craft mind. Have you ever done a survey on it, like on your Instagram, seeing what kind of like? I mean, I will do one day. That's another thing. I'm going to collate all the answers and put them together and have statistics because yeah. so many people tag me in this, and they're like, "How many people do you know?" the answer to now and i'm like maybe like 60 too many <laughs> too many, too many. Yeah. maybe we could start like a, a kind of a, a bottom left hand hobbering like club or cult <laughs> and we, could, we could all have like tattoos and you know like that 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 would be quite cool um yeah yeah i know i'd be interested to know yeah absolutely i'll let you know i'll show you the statistics I'd love to know. That'd be great. Okay, now for your final meal. Okay. 
It's your final meal ever. You have no boundaries on how much you can eat. What will you be having and why? So what is your starter or starters of choice? Hmm. So I kind of knew this was coming. Um, and now now you've asked it, I'm thinking that I might change the, <laughs> the direction I go in. I've been, it's funny when you talk about food, how. how. So, um, right, starter starter stuff stuff so um i'm gonna go for um a steak tartar oh I, 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 I think I, I think i have like an affinity with like pretty much raw food um <laughs> I, I i don't know why like when i when i was growing up steak i would just have blue um when we'd go to like a restaurant or something like that um and that trend has kind of continued. You know, I love seeing that kind of raw patty in a really great burger. Steak and Honor, that's a great burger place near us. Independent does amazing patties like that. Um, but steak tartar, there's just something about it that I find really satisfying. You know, the, the, you know, really, if, if it's a really high quality meat, that slight sort of, I think they like, it's kind of like sous vide in like a vinegar or something like that um, to, to get that. I've never done it myself, actually. Um, and there's just something that, that, that mix between the creaminess of the meat of that texture, that kind of familiar beefiness and the vinegar that just I, I, I love. So um, I, I know that's normally a main, but I'm, I'm guess I'm allowed no judgment it's no boundaries you can have whatever you'd like <laughs> no judgment no judgment um yeah so i would i would literally just have that with a um, a side salad to break it up for my starter any other starters and, or just that you know i'm feeling really that's what i'm gonna go with <laughs> i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna lock that in um and uh, i'm not going to elaborate on that i'm just going to just say at this moment in time um that is what i would go for great choice and what drink are you having with your starter oh drink so um so i love actually a lot of cheesemongers makers love a negroni mm. Yeah, um, I love a Negroni. There's there's something that makes me feel surprisingly grown up when I have a Negroni. <laughs> do, do you know how it, there's something? Um, <laughs> this stuff hate Negronis is a good lie. There's something that I eat, equally hate and equally love about them. You know, as you kind of eat, it's kind of got like that kind of like eat it, drink it. You get it's kind of got that like plasticky kind of acidic kind of like. <laughs> taste to it and when you drive through that barrier then you really really enjoy it um the best negroni i ever had was um actually it was in cambridge not too long ago i went to a wedding i've never had one there before but it was in parker's tavern really great restaurant near us and people should check it out and uh, yeah we was it was kind of just out of lockdown so i was kind of making these terribly at home and uh, and yeah, we went to the bar and I saw Negroni on there. I thought, yeah, I'd treat myself. So it could have been, you know, but it was a great Negroni. So um, yeah, that that's what I would choose to have with it because um, it's that kind of pleasure pain kind of button that Negroni pushes. I think. Good answer. Good. <laughs> okay, so what are you having for your main or mains of choice? 
so Maine, <laughs> I'm going very it's kind of like beef themed here, but a steak. I love steak. Like I, I, um, I think I briefly touched on before, but um, I go to Hawksmoor quite a bit in in London, um, and I I love that. It was so great. Um, you know, like every time I go, they've got a specific technique where they like pan fry and they pop it in the oven on a skillet. Um, I can never replicate it at home. Uh, no matter how quality, high quality beef I buy, it's reminiscent of my youth as well. I used to have a, you know, a lot of um, steaks with my granddad, um, and he would have it. He would have everything just grilled and to death. You know, uh, <laughs> he might as well be eating charcoal, where I would have it blue. So it's got a lot of kind of connotations with me, and I've always, and I suppose that's what the link to cheese is. I've always loved something that is singular and everyone can cook but and everyone can cook at a decent level and then someone takes it you know to the step yeah. above I've, I've always like it's like um I always say like a mark of a, a good chef is how good their breakfast is because everyone can pretty much cook a fry up everyone can yeah and everyone's got a, like a palette for it and everyone can work out roughly what a good one, what a bad one is. But when you get like a real outstanding one, it kind of lifts it up there. So like the, the, the beef and, you know, a steak, even though some may sound, but I, I also had the, you know, one of the best steaks I, I ever had was, um, was, was a, a friend of mine and we was in Geneva um, near the lake there. And uh, we got some local beef. I actually, we, we kind of flew in quite late, so I was quite hungry. And it was just cooked on the barbecue, a little bit kind of like oil and salt and stuff like that. And I think that might be potentially in my top three of all time. But I always remember that kind of arriving after an exhausted journey, yeah. sitting down, overlooking the lake. It was stunning. And then just tucking into a really great steak. That that um, and there's something that steak does to me. I don't know um, if this does it to you, but you kind of get steak tired. <laughs> Have you ever had that? <laughs> I, and I, I so so now what? Watch out for it. If you ever go out for a steak with friends and it's a, a big steak, take, after they've eaten it, take like two minutes and just look at their eyes, and everyone's eyes kind of go like they go a bit sleepy. <laughs> And I think, and they get quite happy. And I see like, I think it might be an endorphin rush or something primal maybe, but you're going to watch it now. Like, or just feed someone a steak as an experiment. But everyone just gets, you know, after a well-cooked, really high quality steak, everyone gets a bit docile. And it's a thing that I've maintained for ages. Yeah, I've maintained for ages. And I, when I go to Hawksmoor with friends or family, I always look out for it. Um, yeah, so 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 steak. Um, maybe uh, I like um, you know like Brussels sprouts. I, I would like that as a side. So I love right. them pan fried. You know, pan fried. Um, you know, with some kind of like nuts and and lardons mixed in. Mm-hmm. I, I love I love that. That would be good for me to go and and going on the beef train. <laughs> um, bone marrow. I love wow. that. Yeah, I've always loved that. Oh, God, I, I'm full on beef eater, right? <laughs> you know what you like. That's good. 
That's true. That's true. It could be really indecisive. I could be, but I'm I'm almost certainly going for a steak tonight now. Now, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Now I'm talking about about beef so much, and um, yeah, like some really just cooked fries on the side of that would be great. Um, You you said no no kind of limit to kind of what I want. So 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 like if I could magically reset my palate, you know, and, and my hunger. A little bit of sushi. I love sushi. I think that's great. Um, so on the side would be amazing. Uh, mac and cheese. Yes, that would be good with a steak. Yeah, yeah. mac and cheese. Um, and some fried spring onions. I tried that the other day. It's really nice. Um, yes, that would be it, I think. <laughs> And what drink are you having with your main and with your sides? Oh, okay. So I get another choice of drink, actually. So um, so I would have a beer with it. Um, I like my, I don't think they're small anymore, but they were when I first started drinking it. But I love um, Beaver Town. Mm. Uh, Beaver Town, Gamma, specifically not neck oil, which I'm seeing everywhere, Gamma Ray. I love that beer. There's just something where it just works for me. Um, so I would have that, actually. Will you be having a pudding? Um, so so it depends if, if if you want me, if I have to skip cheese, right? No, is that's that... not, that's after. That is after. <laughs> <That's> after. <laughs> if you want the cheese board. I, I definitely would want the cheese board, like 100%. If there's any kind of, if I'm going to knock cheese on the head, that's definitely not on. So I just needed to, to double check. No, you so can I'll, have both. I'll go for, uh, I can have both. Okay, cool. So um, what I would love to try one more time was my, my granddad's apple pie. You know, just one of those things, you know, like if I, yeah. so, so if you're saying I could have anything, one last, um, uh, yeah, yeah, like an apple pie. That, that's quite sad when you think about it, but it's also that's a nice lovely. memory. But I, I, I've got this kind of like, uh, maybe that's part of it as well. I've got this fascination as well with, um, you know, like things that you could only have once. So the cheese that I matured for Appenur of the year, cheese called Priscilla, um, and it's a one-time trick. That's it. Um, mm. 25 kilos of cheese, cheese I've loved and looked after for 12 months. More more than I should say, to be honest, like brushing it, turning it, giving Priscilla everything that she needs. <laughs> and we're on like the last bits now. And that's it. It's a, like a moment in time. And, mm. you know, I, I love that idea. And it's so many cheeses that I mature that that just have that you only capture them once and uh, and that's it you know and you're always trying to mature back to that profile or get back there but you never will or something will come on better but they're kind of once in a lifetime type cheeses and my granddad's apple pie yeah that that would be the one that I would that I would love to try again and would you yeah. have anything with the apple pie or just the apple pie on its own do you know what? If I have custard or ice cream, it's of the moment of what? So I'd like yeah. all of it. In Good little answer. kind of if you Yeah, if you could serve it up with like a kind of like little um I don't know, like little gravy trains kind of dipping pots or whatever <laughs> it is. Um 
yeah, I would have like sort of, you know, ice cream on one plate, custard on another, you know, all those traditional accompaniments. Yeah. That um, so I could see what I fancied at that moment or all together. Yeah. Oh, and, and to drink with it, I love dessert wine. Really? Yeah, dessert wine uh, is my Achilles heel. Um, I'm I'm not really a big drinker. I don't really drink Monday to Friday. I only really drink on social events. But every now and again, I do a virtual with you know um, with um, some great uh, wine merchant, and I'm always like dessert wine with cheese is just amazing. You've got mm-hmm. to go for it. So a sauterne is usually my favourite, and that's probably the only drink where I do a virtual, and obviously you've just had a taste, so you take the remainder of the bottle home with you um and i will very subtly not so subtly um be drinking out of the bottle from the fridge <laughs> <laughs> just just having a little sip of that kind of sweet nectar that they that is a dessert wine a sauterne is my favorite so i'd have a sauterne with it um just because it's my favorite yeah Thank you for that. And now for the question I already know the answer to. Will you be partaking in a cheese board? No. <laughs> that would be funny. Yes, I would. I would partake in a cheese board. And I suppose as the moment of this recording, because um, obviously, like I said, cheese changes all the time. It's different in, in certain situations. I would have uh, a cheese which is called a Morton, which is a British Tom style. So it's got like this furry grey rind on the outside that I pat down to get those flavours in there. It's got a really nice kind of um, uh, pliant texture. When it's on the palate, it dissipates. The the mould on the outside creates earthy mushroom aromas. I, I would love that. Um, Spark and Ho Red Leicester Vintage is just so good at the moment. That's a, the only traditional unpasteurized natural red leicester that's made in the UK. It's got this deep russet kind of red sunrise red colour at the moment, which is really nice because it's kind of um, coming into the summer i'd want a goat's cheese so um cerny ash which is an ash covered goat's cheese really brilliant white color but it's really moussey lemony easy going i love that kind of goat's cheese that's in there and actually just side going back to the most underrated food goat's cheese like i meet so many people your goat's cheese fan i can see that i love so many goat's pe- cheese yeah so many people it's the most it's more divisive than blue when i do my tasting yeah and i have this theory and essentially it's that people grew up having like a grilled goat's cheese salad i don't know if you've seen those they're normally like this kind yeah. of big they're put under the grill right that is commercially made mass made goat's cheese um in britain our animal husbandry our care the kind of diet we put them on is a fine, a much more cleaner experience. And I've got like the Sony Ash, for example, so many goat's cheeses that are British that I call the converter because people go, I don't like goat's cheese and they have it. And they're like, 
that doesn't taste uh, like it normally tastes. I'm like, well, it doesn't taste goaty or mm. like farmyard or Barney. Um, and yeah, actually, to circle back on that question, underrated foods, um, goat's cheese is definitely one of them. And I think as more people keep on tasting those foods, I think they're going to really, really grow in popularity. Um, and then I'd have a Yarlington, which is a cider uh, washed cheese, a bit like a Reblichon um at the moment made by collaboration between three amazing artisan cheese people that's a great cheese really buttery and everything and then uh, blues are usually my favorite i would great blue at the moment in the maturing rooms is young buck which is a northern ireland um unpasteurized animal rennet stilton but all stiltons are, are are pasteurized and this is unpasteurized that's deep savory brothy um, fudgy on the texture, dissipates really nice, good level of salt. Salt is kind of like a Parma ham salt. Um, yeah, I think they're my top top five at the moment. And of course, Priscilla uh, at the moment. Priscilla, yeah, the, the one that, that would have to go on there. So um, probably the most convoluted um uh, answer to this question you've had, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it was the most interesting out of all of because a lot of the time I have people go, uh, this cheese and this cheese. I like that you knew exactly what you wanted. And what are you having with the cheese? With the cheese on its own, nothing. Nothing. On its own. Wow. Yes. Yes. I'm a purist when it comes to these things. I can appreciate it. Um, but a lot of the tastings that I do, if I'm going to use a cracker, I will only use Peter's Yard biscuits. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, little sourdough yeah. crisp breads. They've got a really great rigidity to them. Um, they hold the cheese well and they let the cheese do its thing. They're really understated in flavour. So if I did need to scoop it up in biscuit, I would use those. Um, in terms of chutneys, I do a lot of chutneys. Um, Chirin Amaretto Jam, one we spoke about, local honey. But when it comes to cheese and I'm tasting cheese, I just want the cheese to taste like we intended it to, to be. I find a lot of people will put a, a chutney on their cheese plate. And they if they love the chutney then they're going to use it with every cheese and then every cheese yeah will essentially you know if you're using branson pickle there's nothing wrong with that um will begin to taste like branson pickle because you're constantly going back to that branson pickle and i think when you're looking at the lighter territorial lactic style cheeses like Applebee's cheshire or cafilli or a wensley dow and Arthur wensley dow that is they're so nuanced that a chutney would just knock it out of the park too much. And um, yeah, so that's my um, take on chutneys and the compliments with cheese. Well, I agree because I don't, I don't eat chutney with cheese, which is sometimes controversial. I just, I love cheese so much that I sometimes do just eat wedges of cheese. <laughs> Yeah, but normally as well, when I talk about like the work that's gone into making cheese, like, you know, there's that, there's cheeses that I've turned daily for the last, you know, six months or washed three times a week. There's one that I'm washing in the grapeseed oil twice a week um, and then turning them. Like when you think about all that effort and energy and you deconstruct the process for people who aren't particularly interested in food, who think cheese just 
you know appears from a cow you know not you know it's but when you start saying yeah so this cheese is turned you know um twice a week like that and got loads of them or it's washed you know you think about the effort and energy that someone's gone to deliver a flavor to your palate and then you're going to put a chutney with it so good work you're 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 in the club Yeah, well, I knew that this would be entertaining. I I was so excited for this question, so you did not disappoint at all. <laughs> oh, good, good, because I'd be hung, drawn, and quartered if I. It was certainly I probably would be needing that that final meal if if I didn't nail it. <laughs> Imagine if you said no to a cheese board. I'd be like, yeah. I I don't think there has ever been an occasion where I said no to cheese. I don't think there is. And yeah, that's world words to live by. Yeah, definitely. That's my that that's my that I have that it, it, as my final meal. I'll pass you a note, and you can put that on my headstone. Um, <laughs> at the World Cheese Awards, there's over like four thousand cheeses, you know, to be judged. Um, obviously, I don't eat that amount, but um, there's like seventy on my table. The Virtual Cheese Amazing. Awards, I had equivalent in a two-hour sitting. Um, and yeah, I, that was a that last week was a tough week for it. Like that's probably the closest I've ever got to being like I think I'm full. I still didn't. I took all the cheeses home from the, took all the cheeses home that I judged, and then we ate them in the same evening. So <laughs> I judged all day, ate copious amount of cheese, took it home. We then ate again, and then ate the cheese over the course of the night. So yeah, I'm in love with the stuff. Fantastic. Okay, what drink are you having to end the whole meal? Well, my mum makes a rather remarkable um, Irish coffee. Oh. Um, and that didn't spring. That is <laughs> interesting. These questions because so that didn't spring to mind at any pre-stage of this, <laughs> of really? this podcast. So I didn't even think about it, but I just thought at that point when I've eaten all that food, what would I want? And yeah, it would be um, a box of after eight and an Irish coffee. Well, that sounds fantastic. Thank you for telling me your final meal. It was epic. Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Okay, so for Biscuit of the Week... What biscuits have you been eating this yeah. week, if you have? Um, I'm not a big biscuit eater. I'm not. I'm not. I, otherwise, I would finish the whole pack. But um, and I suppose this is right. This is probably going to cause some controversial things. But um, can I say Jaffa cake? Yeah, that's allowed because there was this whole legal thing, wasn't there? Right. There, yeah. That. If you gave me an endless list of Jaffa cakes, are oh, so good. Do you like Jaffa cakes? Yes. Chocolate orange is my favourite chocolate combination. So That's my, that's my favourite. Um, second, I think mint and chocolate. That is good also, but I would probably go plain after that. Uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Third would be plain. And what do you rate Jaffa cakes out of 10? Oh, oh my God. Um, do you know, I would put them at a solid nine. That's a strong answer. Oh, I do love a Jaffa cake. 
I, I love like doing like peeling off that jelly as well that's there as well. They're quite fun to eat. You I was going to just... say, how do you eat them? Because everyone eats them oh. differently. It depends what mood I'm in. Uh, either uh, ravenous and then literally one after the other constantly and the packet's yeah. gone. Or if I'm feeling a little bit playful, you know, uh, peeling off the jelly bit and then, or actually, or like, munching around the the jelly bit (laughs) and then like trying to get all the chocolate off the top of the jelly and then getting a perfect sphere uh, not sphere what is that like i don't know um island (laughs) circle a disc a disc a disc would be appropriate a disc of of the orange jelly and eating them in their separate so that that yeah, that's my favourite, I think. I think that's my favourite. Um, yes, that's what I'm going to go with. Do you have any local businesses you would like to give a shout out to? I suppose, um, yeah, like all the restaurants that I was like talking about, I suppose. Um, if you're listening to this and you've never been to Cambridge, you need to come because there's just a, such an amazing independent food scene. You've got, uh, let me try and do the route that I'm trying to think of. So you've got Parker's Tavern, which is Tristan Welch, fantastic chef. He's on Instagram. He's great. His food is really whimsical and high quality. And the experience is amazing. You've got Restaurant 22, which is Sam Carter, um, like Michelin star. So like he hasn't got Michelin star yet but he will do his food is exceptional you've got vandalau on mill road which is alex rushmer who just makes some really cool concepts the team are lovely and they're just so great you've got bridges um meggie and chan they make amazing uh home bakes you've got cafe foyer on the river which always makes something to do with like raclette which is kind of like amazing. Pint Shop is one of my favourite places to go. Proper hearty British food that's there. Um, you've got Stir Cafe, which do great coffee and great toasties and great everything. Um, you've got Edge Cafe, which is amazing. These are all independents, by the way. I'm not just amazing. Off a, uh, uh, um, yeah, all these places you should like tick off and go. You've got um, you've got that. that the Senate, which overlooks one of the Cambridge colleges. I think it's the combination rooms just off Market Square. Like Ollie, fantastic food, really amazing location. Never, ever had a bad meal there. Uh, Green Wombs, I mentioned earlier, Shelford Rugby Club. People should check that out. Um, one that's a little bit closer to me is the Fox and Hounds in Bali. Fantastic chef there. We took Archie there for his 13th birthday, and he had a giant tomahawk steak which cost us such a steak for food it cost us quite a bit um but we, he, he just, it just was hilarious to see this giant tomahawk steak delivered and there's so many more and i'm sorry if anyone's listened to this with my customers i miss you off but um but cambridge is a remarkable place for independent food outlets steak and honor best burger in the country 100 percent um check those out if you love burgers um yeah just just go to Cambridge and eat food. It, it's a really great place for independent. I mean, there's such a long list, right? I mean, they're, they're just that short list that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, great places. Well, thank you so much for those. They sound amazing. And if I do take a trip to Cambridge, I know where I'm going. There you go. You've got your list sorted. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been so lovely to chat about all your food favourites and lots of cheese. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's been cathartic. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. How great was that episode with Perry from Rennet and Rind? I absolutely loved chatting to him about all of his food favourites and especially the intricacies of cheese and being a cheese, well, a cheese magician. I don't think that's his formal title, but that's what I think he is. (laughs) So if you want to hear and see more from Perry... He is Rennet and Rind on Instagram and the cheese content is fantastic. If you're a cheese fan like I am, you'll love it. So, hi foodie friends, long time no speak. I am so sorry that the break was longer than I had anticipated. As many of you know, I am currently on the way to finishing my master's in digital marketing. Um... And the assignments for this year, because it's only one year, this master's, have been quite intense over the last few months. So I did have to take a longer break than I wanted to initially. However, I still have been posting content on the social media platforms and keeping up to date with what you guys are up to but I'm so sorry and I'm very grateful that you are listening to this episode now um podcast will be resuming um instead of having a break in between series like I usually do because there's been a break this will be the end of series three and I will start series four in the coming weeks Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Butcher Baker Podcast Maker. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did chatting. Um, I loved this episode. I know I love all my episodes, but because I hadn't recorded an episode in a few months, it was just so lovely to be back. So I'm very grateful that I am back in your ear holes. That was a very weird thing to say. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed that. (laughs) Also, listeners of the podcast who have been listening for several series might have heard of Rennet and Rind and Perry before because friend of the podcast Matty from Matty Makes Munch he recommended Perry on his episode because they're both from Cambridge Um, and I'm very grateful for Matty and it was lovely to get to know both of them and their food favourites. Whilst I'm chatting to you, I might as well say what my cookbook of the week is, and it is The Flexible Baker by Joe Pratt. Um, Mother and I made some sticky date and ginger cookies the other day that can easily be vegan. I think the ones we made were vegan, and then she's made another batch for my auntie that is also gluten-free and vegan. So they're very versatile and that whole cookbook is fabulous so if if you are in the market for another baking book or just a lovely cookbook i totally recommend that book if you have enjoyed this episode and you would like to hear more why not subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform because then you can hear more future episodes and listen to some older ones which i think is quite lovely there are over 60 episodes (laughs) i can't believe that either if you would like to 
be up to date with whatever is going on in this podcast world. If you just want to listen to the episodes, thank you very much. But if you would like to see the behind the scenes and um, visuals of the recommendations, recipes of the week and all of that lovely stuff, why not follow Butcher Baker Podcast Maker on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok because there's content out there that you might want to see. I don't know. If you do, have a look. Another recommendation I have, as well as my cookbook and recipe of the week, is, um, I don't know if this is going to become a thing, probably not, I'll probably just recommend whenever, because I know I have done in past, um, get to the point, Jemima. (laughs) So, Harry Styles' new album, Harry's House, if you haven't listened to it and you like, um, I don't know how you say it, really upbeat vibey songs I don't know if that's the correct term of phrase I have been absolutely obsessed as many people know um, like most people in this world I am very much obsessed with Harry Styles and I am seeing him in June I don't mind saying I know, clang Um, (laughs) his new album Harry's House is fabulous and if you are looking for some new music or a mood booster I totally recommend anyway I think that's enough chats from me thank you so much to Perry from Rennet and Ryan for coming on the podcast this week it was lovely to chat to him all about his food faves and all the cheese um and I will speak to you lovely listeners very soon so bye Baker Podcast Maker, the food podcast series where we get to know a little bit more about the foods people enjoy, from recipe favourites to biscuit chat.